Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 192. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brent Wingate. And this week, we celebrate Pride Month once again with a classic game of Fix It. Uh, Loki gets more timey-wimey with a touch of chaos. We have some normal-sized Hellfire Gala updates. Clark's got something. Watch out. Of course, we have all the news that's fit to Brent. And we have a quick visit to the trailer park. But first, uh, we want to give a shout-out to Juneteenth, which will now be a national holiday celebrating Texan slaves learning of the Emancipation Proclamation two years after it was signed. Um, we'd also like to remind people that while memorializing things is nice, it isn't the same as making genuine structural improvements, which are desperately needed in this country. So please keep pushing for those. That being said, it's great to honor the day, but uh, seriously, let's make some change. All right, let's talk pride. Um, so we are gonna play the game, Fix It. As always in the game of Fix It, you get to make one change to make something better. This time, it's a queer one. All right, make one queer change to an existing superhero franchise type thing. And I'm going to give a bonus point for the person with the smallest change that has the biggest impact. Kayla. My change is for Daredevil, the comic book series, because those of you who have read it know that uh, Matt Murdock is not a one-woman man. He ends up dating a lot of different women, uh, uh, falling in love with many of them, and he always revealed his secret identity to them, causing many, many problems. If you make him gay, and then you put him in a relationship with Foggy Nelson, the relationship we knew that was going to happen, his secret stays safe, you can remain Daredevil, chaos will not ensue, he still remains the guardian of Hell's Kitchen. Wait, so in that version... Um writers lose one of their common plot points for daredevil stories and instead he just becomes like spider-man like he's he's not really revealed a lot you know oh he's in a happy committed stable monogamous relationship good for you daredevil and he still has the catholic guilt i mean that's still that's still part of it it's just his secret identity isn't like you know running amok like kingpin doesn't find out who he is and doesn't make his life a living hell when karen page sells a secret to like for another heroin fix. Well, that's just good advice. Be gay. Don't let people discover your secret identities. Brian? Um, in this in this scenario, Kalen, do you picture instead of him hugging a cross, which is actually just like um, in a graveyard, do you picture yeah. him just hugging a giant dildo? Because that's what I do. That's a terrible thing to call foggy. He's so much more than a dildo. How dare you? Well, I don't know. Have you ever met him? He's okay. He's fine. I mean, with that all said, um, I guess my one change would be probably the MCU. Can you imagine if I loved the MCU for once in my life? Um, uh, Mine would be right before Quicksilver dies, he just whispers to Hawkeye, Captain America and I had a lot of gay ass sex. <laughs> and that is a retcon that no one wants to look at and everyone's avoiding, but we all sort of wanted it. You know what I mean? I I think there's something there. I mean, let's be honest. They dumbest thing I've ever attractive. Like that's gotta happen at some point. So 
speak on it, guys. Speak on that. Was this is this related to? What? I saw. I, I had saw, so many options for this, but there was an, there was like a, a a Twitter a tweet or an Instagram post or something that said this is the reason why God gave me two holes, and it's Chris Evans giving a hug to the guy who played Quicksilver, whatever his name was. It, uh, it's not like, only that reason, but it's not it's not so that reason is what I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm right. just current, you know, I like to say current, you know, so, so uh, yeah. So, Ryan, in this scenario, so at the end of Endgame, remember, Steve Rogers, you know, goes back to, like, be with Peggy Carter. Mm-hmm. Would he then go back to be with Quicksilver before he gets shot in uh, Sokovia in Age of Ultron? And then they go off and live, you know, happily together. No, because I think like him and Peggy are Peggy. Let's be yeah. <laughs> That's why she was called Peggy. Uh, she liked it. Ooh. Let's be honest. Um, I think there is a true connection there, but I do think that uh, <laughs> I think he maybe had connections with other people as well. Bucky comes to mind, don't I mean? But he was on a different path, and like uh, other people come into play. And I just would like to state that maybe Captain. Cap is maybe a little bisexual, you know. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Mark, you got good. one? Um, mine is gonna be, you know how like um Loki and Thor are blood brothers, but I think they're cum brothers. So, you know, I mean they've just been fucking the entire time. So they never had the whole falling out and we never got the Chitari stuff, and they never actually had to have the Avengers being made and everything. But I oh, thought they oh. were I thought this was like they would be stepbrothers, right? Like they're like they're the classic, like, oh, stepbrothers hook up with each other kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. but they're yeah. So yeah, they're not, I thought they're, they're not blood, they're not blood brothers, they're, are they? They're half, they're half brothers. They're also in if sorry, in, in the uh mu in the mythology, they're blood brothers as well. Oh, okay. Um, okay. anyways, gotcha. but yeah, just the same come brothers. That's what's going on. That's not really catchy. But I, but if men.com picks it up, we, sh- we should get some sort of. Credit There's got to be something I mean? like that already. Yeah. <laughs> well, well come brother sounds idea. like cum gutters. Well, so I, I like mean, it. You've got him. I like the there idea of watching the MCU, but there's just pure sexual tension between Thor and Loki the whole time. Well, uh, there is, but I want, but this is not, this is explicit sexual uh, tension, not implicit. So do we need to see those scenes? <laughs> yes, we need to see Just the so scenes. Hey, well, I'm on none, it. None of the yeah. Avengers action would have happened. That sounds terrible too. Um, nothing, Avengers number one would not have happened if they had just been fucking earlier. Well, uh, Caleb. <laughs> I mean, kind of like as an offshoot of what Clark said, what if it was Steve Rogers and Tony Stark that were lovers and Civil War was them just having like a lover spat. I'd be into it. Man, I like the idea. Steve, Steve's just going from person to person. You know, he goes from Bucky to Tony, people who are like emotionally distant, uh, brown-haired white guys. Yeah, there you go. He's, with, he's got a type. <laughs> with with oh, that's Ryan. Yeah, Ryan Kroll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my change would be that uh, Natasha is lesbian. So that whenever she has to seduce someone, that's just another way she's showing off how good of a spy she is. Bitch, that's the right answer. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been Fix It. Uh, Fix It. All right. Let's move on.
Yeah. Can uh, you insert uh, uh, like machine or like fixing sounds to it, Kalen? No. Not really. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's the sound of uh, a poorly opening door. <laughs> yeah. We have old man shoes on wood. Okay. Let's talk about Loki episode two titled The Variant. Obviously, we're going to have spoilers, so shut off your headphones for a minute if you don't want to listen. All right. Loki starts to embrace his role as the rat fink informant for the time cops as they try to catch, surprise, non-surprise, a female Loki who is fucking up their shit. Uh, Loki White Hat discovers a flaw in the timekeeper system. Lady Loki is a woman with a plan. And everything that the story cares about apparently happens on Earth in the United States. What did you guys think of the episode? And actually, in particular, what were your thoughts on the way that this kind of connected to Ragnarok? Kaylin? I think the strength of the show is anytime um, Loki and Mobius are interacting. Like, my favorite scene in the whole show is them in the cafeteria. Loki taking the salad away to make the very clumsy metaphor about the, about the various crises or, you know, extinction level events. And, he, and like, you can just see Mobius going, that's my fucking salad. Like you just oversalted it. You put this juice box on it, you piece of shit. And that's really kind of what I want from the show. Like all the timey wimey stuff is great. Uh, I'm definitely intrigued by quote unquote lady Loki. Um, I, I like some of the flourishes of like the um, the various crises uh, and extinction level events, but like just the two of them interacting is the best part of the show. Right. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. I enjoy their just uh, their interaction just in general. Uh, I do think we have to give a lot of leeway to this Loki because he is not the Loki that we know that just got choked by choked out my apologies by Thanos uh, because he's not there yet. He's not morally there yet. So spoilers for the end of the episode, but him leaving with Lady Loki is him showing that he's not quite morally or just like mentally there in terms of like giving people the benefit of the doubt or trying to do some good in general. So I do, I do enjoy that. Um, with that all said, when the big reveal was revealed that it is, in fact, Lady Loki, I said, who is that? Because <laughs> I, who is that? Who is that? Um, who said that? But, but I'm very confused by this because she looks nothing like Lady Loki from the comics. So I was very confused. And my boyfriend said, who is that person? And I said, I'm not really sure. Sure, like, sure, it's like Loki is like the same, same headgear, but like, yeah, honestly, whatever. I wear the same hat as a lot of people a lot of times. Doesn't make them the same person as me. So I was still confused that that was Lady Loki at the end of the day because it's a very different interpretation than the comics, which I'm not mad at, but it was not clear in yeah. the actual series. Does My that make first sense? thought was that it was uh, Holly uh, from The Office. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Clark. Um, so I'd been thinking, and I'd been going back and forth before the show started, whether it was going to be 
actually Lady Loki or whether it's going to be the Enchantress. Yeah. And so it could be either way with this. I, I think um, I don't want to spoil anything that's spoily. It's not like a, it is a spoiler, but it's not a spoiler. It's a, I don't, it's a, what's the word that is like a, a, a speculation, humor. Yeah. Speculation. Anyways, uh, don't listen for a second. Um, one of the, uh, the, the name of the person that that actress was playing, the voice actress of that character in Spain, I believe his name is Sylvie. And Sylvie yeah, is a character who played the, who is the younger enchantress in the actual Marvel comics series. Yeah, and you would have seen that, I believe, if you watched yeah, the credits. Yeah, I think we talked about it before, yeah, yeah. too. But I just wanted um, to retell everybody. So I don't know what it's going to be. If that's Lady Loki, then I hate it. Me too. If it's not, well, if it's Enchantress, then that's cool. I like that. Her her headpiece is not nearly large it's, enough it's so to be gentle. Lady Loki. If that's actually, you know, Lady Loki wouldn't be as lame looking as that. Correct. So what did you make of her... Uh, the uh, plan or what you could guess the plan to be. Uh, I kind of liked the, you know, seeing all the timelines branch off and actually seeing the execution of these little reset grenades falling through and you don't know when they're going to affect what. Um, But my first hypothesis was that that's going to be the explanation for how Donald Trump became president. Like that's where just a bunch of timelines diverge. No, no, no. <laughs> that's the sacred. That's the sacred timeline, Brent. It's that's it's the, the sacred darkest. timeline. Yeah. It's the darkest timeline, but it's still sacred. Um, I actually thought it was going to end up being Kid Loki because of the 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 bubblegum thing that Mobius remembered mm-hmm. from the first episode, and like he was cross referencing the gum with the extinction level events. Also, another great scene where they're like going through all the all the various various crises. Um, and so I was a little shocked that it was quote unquote Lady Loki, which we don't know if that is or not. That's what, you know, reviewers and critics are calling her right now. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And also they made a giant, giant point in the episode that like Loki can change into anyone mm. that they want to be. So it, it makes it clear that like, maybe we'll see some different versions of it. So I think kid Loki if that is the same person might show up at some point, some other different versions of Loki might show up. I'd like to see some crazy version of Loki that we've never seen before in the comics, like show up and just really blow our minds. Uh, but it, it, yeah. Ah, 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 is what my review of that well, reveal is. I think the, oh, sorry, Clark. You can go. Okay. Uh, the I think the ways that they're, you know, they showed a few versions of Loki. Um, they also pointed out how many times Loki is responsible for being a variant, which I thought was, you know, interesting. But the show is doing, a, I think, a pretty good job of capturing how many flaws Loki has and how he can be manipulated by Morbius or by Lady Loki, you know, when they're stalling for time. On the other side, you've got this character, Morbius, who in the first episode kind of appears sympathetic toward Loki, but in this episode seems to have a character break. Um, what did you guys make of either of their characters and how you think that they're being filled out or if they're just kind of filling whatever purpose needs for the plot? Clark? Uh, I didn't know. I don't know what's going on anymore. I was going to talk about the fact that is this whole, is this whole like, um, the, the what is it what the what timeline what the hell do they call it sacred timeline 
is this just a big old piece of shit? Like, they keep wanting to Loki to be the bad guy, but in our version of the timeline, he's not anymore. He's supposed to end up being a bad guy. They keep saying it over again, he's the villain. Except for in the timeline that we have, he doesn't end up being. Do they, do they yeah. want this massage to a different way, to, to, to their version, even though it's not? Someone, fingers, fingers? I Yeah, I so that's actually a great question because it comes up to the whole idea of order versus chaos, right? The TVA, the timekeepers are ultimately representing order, Loki representing chaos. Complete order, complete chaos are not good things. Uh, and so keeping things in a certain way without any kind of diversions or like not, not allowing for the multiverse to really exist seems like it, it's, it's, it's bureaucratic. And that's the reason why the TVA looks the way it does. That's sort of like good place-esque, um, Brazil-esque stuff that we talked about last week. So uh, I, I think like, it's like they're probably like, like lawful neutral or maybe even lawful evil. Uh, maybe when we look back after this, the series ends, they're not necessarily the good guys. They're just custodians of a certain way a thing should be because that's how it's always been. And that's not necessarily a good thing. I, I do think that they really capitalized on this specific Loki because it was like so early on in the main timeline where they could like literally capture him and say, hey, just know all these things are about to happen. You're going to be a good person. You will die at some point, but like, bitch, help us with this actual thing, which is like, painting Loki in such a nice light, which I understand what they're trying to do with the character. It makes, it, it makes a little bit more sense. Um, but why is it gotta be so CSI, you know, um, a little bit of that, but, uh, but I do think he's the best option they have to try to figure out this fucking killer basically is what I'm trying to say. Taylor. Uh, don't you know, Ryan, that every show becomes a cop show, so we just have to like accept it. Uh, That's true. Uh, this is answer... a cop show. Oh, it's a complete. It's a it's a buddy cop show, even more so than like Falcon and Winter mm-hmm. Soldier. Uh, but to answer your question, Brent, about like the kind of the relationship that Mobius and Loki had about like the kind of the, the push and pull, if I, if I understood that correctly, there's a theory out there that says that Mobius is actually a variant of Loki as well which is why he was so sympathetic to him in the first place. And like, I'd be curious if that ends up being the revelation Um, and why, why he like wants to believe the best about him. It could be like the ultimate, like good version, the ultimate lawful good version of Loki and believes that like, that's the way that he's going to get to salvation. I did have a quick question for all of y'all. You remember when they're in the year 2050, they're in that big box store that like sprawls all over the place in Alabama it was called like Rock's Cart or something. Rock's is this cart. the first? Is this the first time we're seeing Roxon in the MCU? Because we did see that in, in Cloak and Dagger, but which is now, I believe, non-canonical. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I'm not that's, sure. That's... We saw them in Netflix as well. Yeah. Yes, it is the first so. time we've seen it in the actual MCU, canon MCU, and that to me means a lot of lot of things, and we don't need to necessarily go into all of it because it is kind of just spoilers for whatever's happening but there's a lot of implications let's just say for spider-man and some other main avengers type of characters through roxon 
So do your own research pitches. Um, Brett? Well, we, we certainly did uh, get a what looked like a screen of Spider-Man's face uh, no. in the background. Uh, that wasn't Spider-Man? No, Roxxon was in Iron Man 2. Oh, really? They were. Really? Yeah. Well, this is Roxcart. Roxcart stores, no relation. Uh, what, wait, wait, Clark. What was the font, though? Is it a different font? Because that can be just, you know, with companies, that can be, I mean, it can be a completely, yeah, yeah. that's a whole different TM, you know? Yeah. yeah. Different brand. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so um, did you guys get a vibe that like, like, like the Castlevania, the queen and the, the king and the queen are dead vibe from the timekeepers? Like, do you think the timekeepers are really there? Are they something that we should expect to be completely different? The only thing that kind of made me a little bit more skeptical was that that one soldier said, I told them where the timekeepers are, but I feel like there's like a- But I've never when, met them. Yeah, uh, I do, I've never met them, but I know exactly where that bitch is. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, I, I don't think- yeah. I don't think they they exist anymore, or they would never exist in the first place. They never existed, or they're dead. They're dead, 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 dead as hell. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Were there any other Easter eggs or favorite moments you guys had? I like when people just touch people and their eyes turn green. I think that's just fun. That's not an Easter egg. I just enjoy it. Good, clean fun. Yeah, well, I love also like the like the mind control only only has like a. Ugh, 10 minute window you know what i mean <laughs> so stupid why anyway. uh, so there was one reference when um mobius is talking to the judge whose name i can't remember uh, and she thank you she mentions um that she's got another analyst at franklin delno roosevelt high school like that's is that the, that's that's the high school that like peter parker's going to in queens or like, what do we think that is? Why didn't you Google this for us so we didn't have to theorize? I wonder the same thing. Um, obviously, I think there's going to be some importance on who that analyst is in particular. But uh, to me, it was also a uh, kind of hat tip to the fact that FDR helped uh, has had such an influence in the MCU, uh, especially with the as the first kind of, mutant. No, as the person who kind of created, helped to found uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, oh, yeah. And also, he, uh, his name comes up in um, Civil War when Tony is giving those two pins to um, Captain America as a kind of olive branch. That this is yet wow. another point in why everyone should love FDR. Um. I think my favorite Easter egg while Clark still searches for that is Clark searching for that. We've got yeah. our top, we've got our top analyst on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From Herbert um, Hoover high school. Mine was the, uh, the very subtle uh, homage to back to the future. When you open up and there's a relatively long delay where it's showing you the, the year and the year is 1985, which is the year that yep. all the fun stuff happens uh, or that begins in the movie. Yeah, my favorite favorite Easter egg was when you go to a medieval like festival and you realize it's just not that fun. They're Um, terrible, and and that and that goes through every age. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, what, you a, like what a fun Easter egg, you know? Didn't you like uh, well, not will Catherine I be Hahn? Shown? <laughs> not Catherine Hahn going, no. hey, come on, guys, hey. you're supposed to wear the costume. Have you ever oh, seen that was the have you have you ever seen the, the show The Other Two? Yes. Yeah. Love yeah. Play, she's she's the really cunty um like Carrie's um not manager. Um what's the word I'm going for? The agent. Remember agent. she keeps saying like hey faggot and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, I fucking she's love basically her so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think she's also in search party. She's like the book publisher and she's party. amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's her name, everyone? No one knows. No Clark, one knows. Are you doing Clark. Research? I think her name is Trinary. Are you doing the internet right. research or not? Uh, it says it says um, um, Molecule Man. Oh, interesting. I, it's too much to read as to why, but like supposedly he has something that they that's who the fuck knows. I don't know. Someone says Molecule Man. There you go. All right, Clark, did you have a favorite Easter egg or moment? It, 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 that is gamesradar.com. My favorite character is Tara Strong's character who play, plays Miss Minutes, the little computer uh, clock She's lady. She's so good. She's so good. Uh, that's and, acting. Uh, yep, that's what I like. That's my favorite part. Yep. Great. Uh, we'll keep reviewing this. And of course, we will have a review of the finale when that happens. Uh, let's talk about some issues. Kayla. Kate Berlant. It's Kate Berlant. Kate Berlant, thank you. Kate All right, Berlant. So let's, let's get into the comics this week. Uh, the Hellfire Gala continues and expands. We have three issues in the X-Books. The first is Planet Size X-Men number one by Jerry Dugan and Pepe Larraz. New Mutants number 19 by Vita Ayala and Alex Linz is a guest artist. And X-Core number two by Teeny Howard and Albert, Alberto, excuse me, Fauché. So as predicted, the Krakoans terraform Mars thanks to Magneto, Hope, Vulcan, Storm, and Iceman, not to mention a few others. But they get by with a little help from their friends in Araco. Turns out old crafty Eric Lenschner has a plan up his sleeve that's going to kill several birds with one stone, including finding a more permanent home for the Araktans and finding more land to farm the ingredients for the Krakoan medicines. He convinces Iska and the others in the Great Ring, including Laktuka the Knower, Sobanar of the Depths and Zylo, first defender of this broken land, to help with the terraforming. And Marvel Girl and Kid Omega convince Jamie Braddock to literally birth another sword station to defend Mars, I mean planet Araco, the first mutant world and the capital of this solar system. Unsurprisingly, the rest of the world is freaking out. Now over in New Mutants, the gala continues as the youngish Krakoans dress down a Jonathan Van Ness lookalike bully named Barry the Artist. Warpath has a heart-to-heart -heart with Warlock, who's sad that his bestie is now married, and Gabby is found dead. Meanwhile, in X-Corps, Warren and Monet try to fill out their board of directors by talking to the following. Neil Shara, who is the second Thunderbird, who was mostly seen in Claremont's Extreme X-Men. Sunspot, who we all know. Uh, Celine, the demon mutant priestess originally from Nova Roma. Sarah St. John, a human ingenue. And Jason Wingard, a.k.a. Mastermind, who we just recently saw in Hellions. They also have an encounter with the Nazi mutant twins, Fenris, who are rocking the worst Renfair cosplay ever, speaking of Renfairs. Mastermind helps them by, uh, helps out uh, both Warren and Monet uh, and joins uh, uh, the X-Core board. Oh, and it turns out he's been helping Warren look the part of CXO by hiding his Archangel persona. So a few questions. Um, let's start with the planet size. Uh, how do you think the rest of the 616 is going to react to Planet Araco? And there's three major 
uh, groupings I want to talk about. One, the Illuminati, two, Orcus, and three, the new Intergalactic Alliance team in the Guardians. So, Ryan, we'll start with you. Uh, the answer is not well, bitch. Obviously, we know they're going to fucking flip out. It's going to be an all-out war, like a war of the worlds, if you will. But um, I do think the, the formation of how the planet became <laughs> the planet of Arako is the most Hickman thing in the entire world. And I fucking love it so much because he literally drilled down into the earth to figure out how to make this fucking world like what it is. It's so good. It's so him. It's so over the top. Everyone's using their the most of their powers ever. A lot of writers are just so scared to like figure out like all these super, like super, super, super powered people. And how do I use them? He is not afraid of that. And I love that he does that so much. But the answer is like the rest of the world is going to freak out and they're going to blame Krakoa and it's going to a fight will ensue. And then I, I, I'm just going to theorize that like Iraqo is going to come to help Krakoa at some point to try to like help them out. Brent. Right. Yeah, I'd say, you know, as a pay, <clears throat> as far as a payoff goes, you know, we we knew stuff was going to be happening with Mars, but making it the capital of the solar system as a declaration is a pretty stunning and exciting thing to do. Like a as a fireworks show, yeah, seriously. Um, and also to utilize the Iraqans, I thought it was a very good move for them to show that kind of two days before interaction between Captain America and Scott, where Captain America's like, hey, I need to just know what the fuck is going on because I need to be able to plan for whatever contingency. And then we've already seen his reaction to this, which is like, he's not happy that he's been blindsided by this major uh, interplanetary, you know, uh, break in, you know, kind of like uh, information. Um, I lost my other thought, but I loved it. Yeah. Clark, did you have a thought? Um, other than that, no, I mean, Jamie Braddock is slowly becoming my favorite character. That whole, that whole scene was so bizarre. I love him just like birthing from his actual chest and stomach, this entire building. Completely slash. unnecessary. <laughs> Completely <laughs> unnecessary. No, no point in that, but he was like, fuck it, I'll get this done quick. Yeah. No, it I, was I, great. I um, love that like the reaction was like, he's doing it literally. Yeah. I love, um, what's, what's the one's name? Sabunar, the, of the depths. Yeah. The, just the aesthetic of it is really interesting. Quite enjoyed that character. I don't know, the whole thing's really smart. Well done. Yeah. Right? It's, um, so they basically created a couple mutants from Morocco that are basically just, I don't know why I said that guy, but uh, that are just there to facilitate this creation. And I'm not really mad at it because I want to see how they deal with them later because Hickman will try to figure this shit out and I'm not mad at it because it, it, it makes sense for how he fucking writes. It just will be crazy. Like, he, he will flood a fucking room with that one water guy just because. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Love him. Right. Um, so I, I do think it's very, it'll be very interesting to see how the, how Araco kind of maintains the peace 
and you know learns how to be nonviolent. The constant war language around being peaceful, I thought was very uh, well used. The thing I was gonna say was, I don't know how good of an idea it is to increase the mass of a planet by like 38% or whatever it is, because I think gravitationally that might create some problems with its location in the solar system, but I'm not sure. Caitlin. Um, I love the, I just thought of this now, the irony of telling these warlike people to be peaceful and relocating them to a planet that's named for the god of war. Oh, yeah. Clark? Um, I had a question regarding um, the farms that they're allowed to build on there. So they don't have any right to this land at all. Like, this is all Araco's land. They just happen to be, and they're allowed to use farming rights on there? I think that's right. I think it's like a, it's supposed to be like a kind of like a beneficial relationship. It's like, we'll help you create this new homeland. And in return, we get this. Cause it's in the same location on that map as like the spaceport and all that and like the stuff, the councils and everything like that. So I didn't know if there was like a special yeah. zone that wasn't a rockin'. Well, that kind of leads me to my question. Do we think we're gonna get a book about Araco itself or do you think it's gonna get folded into S.W.O.R.D.? Because we know the next issue of S.W.O.R.D., which I think is coming out next week or the week after, it's one of the red issues. If you look at like the, that means like it's a super important issue. Brian? Wait, I mean, why? yes. I think the answer is completely yes. I think after X of S.W.O.R.D.s, like I think everyone was jonesing for it. We just wanna meet these new mutants and like figure out who they are as people. Literally, I think, and this might be me personally, but every time one of them is introduced, I'm like, what's your powers? Who are you? What's your backstory? Like, I'm so fucking interested every single time. It's it's such a creative way to, like, uh, incorporate new mutants that aren't like, this This homosexual just went through pu- puberty. Isn't that fun? You're like, no, no, no. Like, it's, uh, <laughs> it's like, it's fun. They've been here for years. And they have their own backstories already, but they're still mutants. They're still fucking X-Men on a real. I, I'm obsessed, honestly. Yeah. Yes. The Clark. answer is yes. I would like one. I don't know if they're going to get one, but I would really like one where it's like maybe six ten, t- uh, six of them and then one like rotating member from our X-Men just kind of like still see the clash as well. Yeah, it could be Storm because I know that Hickman has plans for Storm that's more like beyond going beyond just being on earth so uh, i would like one as well be a good um tag Pairing. team i agree so let's get back to the gala uh which mutant would you want to work a room with at a party <laughs> this is ryan's question so <laughs> I was fire how did you know <laughs> this was my question how did you i saw you literally question? typing it you son of a bitch <laughs> i was like i only have one thing to add um I, you know, great question, Kaylin. Uh, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot since you posed this. Uh, and uh, I, I, do, I probably would do Storm because she knows everyone. She knows the Avengers. She knows, like, fucking uh, all the X-Men. Everyone respects her. She's a fucking king and a queen. Um, she's so fucking great. I, I think I would probably want to work a room with her. Uh, because it would just be so enlightening and just so fun. And I, that's my answer. Brent? I don't know who my answer would be, but I know it's definitely not fucking Warlock. 
That guy sucks. <laughs> I'll leave already. him alone. He's he stinks. He's a terrible character. And he proved he's terrible at a dinner party because he fucking just hangs around <laughs> everyone like a goddamn leech, pretending to be like them. <clears throat> go find some friends. Go be cool. Go talk to someone other than self. Go fuck yourself. Christ. He literally put on um, a new outfit and people make fun of him. I hate Leave this earthworm. This earthworm looking motherfucker. <laughs> no, he, can he is an alien. Off. He's he a loyal stinks. friend and you're a piece of shit. I don't care if he's an alien. There are cool aliens. This guy's a loser and I hate him. I hate that he's like this 80s pal. Go fuck yourself. Seriously. Clark. Um, what would happen if, if Tristan got married while you were still married? What? I I would be happy for him. Okay, that's good. Okay, I didn't know if you had, whether you'd become a weird warlock weirdo. What? But well, they're not married. Like... He's not. He, he's not married to um, what's his name. He's just. I, I, I want to make this. He's just. Clear. He's just. Okay. Okay. Warlock are not married. Correct. They were still. They, they were like weirdly soul bonded for a while. There's this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not legal. But it, maybe as far as it is, codependent is not the same. I don't know. It's strange. But anyways, Brett, when you were talking, oh, go ahead, Clark. I would, I would um work the room with magic because you know she would just talk shit about every single person. We wouldn't have to meet anybody unless we needed to, and then we would just bitch about them. Yeah. So, Brent, okay, I'm, I, I won't say it because we're talking shit about somebody. Uh, I, uh, Ryan, to your point, Storm, I would be amazing, but I think she would be too regal. It'd be like working a room with our friend Casey Beyonce. And I'm like, I can't, I can't even keep up with you. So I would, I would uh, probably have Danny Moonstar uh, because she also knows everybody, um, but like is much more relatable. Ryan? Yeah, no, I agree. Like they showed her networking skills, but she's phenomenal. Yeah. She's like, ah, <laughs> I was on Asgard that other time. Yeah. Like, and then just moved on. I, I do appreciate that. The answer is boom, boom. I think the ultimate answer is <laughs> was she there? Well, um, uh, yeah, she was fucking wearing those terrible glasses and some awful yeah. outfit that she just rolled out of bed with. Yeah, of course she is there. <laughs> the Ryan Krull of the Krakoans. Yeah. Elves, yes. She's my best so, friend. Don't do that. Let's move on to X Core. Uh, I got a couple questions. Uh, who do we think the fourth Wait. CXO? Oh, we're not talking okay. about the fact that Gabby. Okay, yes. Gabby also, died. Gabby's I... dead. Let's move on. Yeah, Gabby's dead. Yeah. How do you think she was killed? Yeah, well, she was, I mean, we knew this was going to happen based on the fact that we, were to, we needed to talk about how she kept talking about it. What if I die because she's a clone? What are we going to do? Like, if, she, if she's nobody, now she's dead. We're going to have to figure that out. We're going to have to figure that out based on all the other clone-related stuff we've been having to deal with. with um, that's for true. catching that, yes. Yeah, that's a very good point, especially because in the last issue of Hellion, you have it. Yeah, have it going around the room asking, what about Madeline? I need an explanation. So, Great, great point. A right. lot of people I online mean, were just like, "Oh yeah, well, well, she'll just be resurrected." And I'm like, "Uh, uh, uh. like she is uh, actually uh, a clone as well. She's so, like, actually she's, a, yeah. yeah, which is yeah. sad because she's such a wonderful character. True, yeah, but, yeah, it'll be quite interesting though. Anyways, yeah, so let's skip over that. All right, I'm sorry. Uh, that was a good point. Um, let's move on to X Core really quickly. Who do we think the fourth CXO will be, as well as the chairperson? Any, any, any guesses? 
Not a one. I mean, this they're all going to be out of left field. Yeah, I mean, Jason Wingard was a very interesting, interesting choice. And also, we literally haven't seen Neil Shara and I can't tell you how long. Like, what a fucking deep cut. Like, really? great, interesting character and a terrible run by mm. a writer that, like, had seen the, his prime behind him. Um, do we think Warren's always in Archangel mode? No, because that, that was a surprise for him at that moment, too. Okay. He, he didn't want anything to do with um, Mastermind until after that. Yeah. I, I, th- I think it's only when he's angry is when he's in that mode. So Mastermind actually was helping him out. Oh, um, I, I do agree with Wind Dancer where I, I would have preferred it to be one of the, uh, his daughters. Uh, because that would have been more fun. But, oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Lady Mastermind owns my whole. I love that bitch so much. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I think the, like, is it fourth or fifth? Yeah, will be completely out of left field. And yeah. uh, with that all said, Celine, I don't know. She was quite captivating. And I'm she's sort of great. Yeah, <laughs> she was kind of good. She and, was awesome. And to be fair, we've We've given a lot of leeway to a lot of other people, but but she's but, been murdering people. She's for some reason gotten away with all that would happen in Captain America. Absolutely, yes. I know that's a whole separate thing. But we've Exodus, uh, Shadow King, like we we've given a lot of leeway. It's just good to know at the end of the day, at the very end of the day, that the Fenris twins are still the most evil Nazi people we've ever met in, the, in our entire lives. They're fucking Why cunts. are they allowed? On They're the fucking Why? cunts, always. They're, they're terrible. I'm frustrated. I hated them for so long, but when um, she died and he went through that the whole phase with the Thunderbolts, I fucking loved him. And so now seeing him like this yeah. frustrates me. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, reg- it's a definite regression of the characters. All right, so let's move on. The other comic this week was the end of the Donny Cates era on Venom, a comic that we actually started reviewing three years ago on podcast. So we have been there from You're the welcome. very start. Exactly. Uh, so it's, 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 it's both issue number 35 and 200. Thank you, Marvel. Donny Cates is the writer, but he's joined by <laughs> Philip Kennedy for about 10 pages. Several artists, including Ryan Stegman, Kev Walker, D- Danny Danilo S. Beiruth, sorry if I mispronounced that, Ron Lim, uh, Gayu Villanova, uh, Gerardo Sandoval, and Mark Fagley. So this is it. It's the end of uh, uh, Donny Cates' Venom epic, as I mentioned. Uh, Eddie Brock, now both a god and an ARP member, is making sure that his depowered son, Dylan, is keeping out of trouble at school while warning the heroes of Earth about the danger of the Maker, the evil Reed Richards from the Ultimate Universe. Seems like the maker is trying to join the Council of Ricks, I mean Reeds, and the only way he can pass the initiation is by bringing back his universe. And he's going to do it by destroying the 616. Meanwhile, Eddie has a touching lunch with Peter Parker. Flash Thompson is trying to figure out how many symbiotes there are now. And Dylan becomes the new Venom, sort of. This is it, y'all. What, what did you think? Like, Do you think this ended on a good note? Ryan. I guess I think it ended on a not bad note, but not a great note. Um, it was fine. It was a fine ending. So what is a run that I 
really was enthusiastic to begin with. And then it sort of faded. Uh, but I, I still like this writer. I still think he did a great job. Uh, I don't think any writer, unfortunately, is going to pick up these threads. So <laughs> he did a lot of work for nothing at the end of the day, because I know how comics work sometimes. Um, I would like someone to pick up these threads, but I, I don't know if it's going to happen. But uh, great job. I, I like the run. Overall, amazing. I, mean, I feel like one of the many threads that he gave has to be picked up on. I mean, Ewing's going to have to do something about, I mean, he's going to have three other characters. I don't know what he's going to do. We've got two different people he can pick up on as characters. And then we also have um, Eddie Brock himself. Who else would he have besides those three? Well, it's those characters, but also the thing that like Eddie was warning all the various heroes about, like the danger of the maker. Yeah. It's definitely, it's all like very Hickman-esque. Like it's like, well, the maker was like, you know, it was sort of a Hickman creation, even though Reed Richards, you know, precedes that. Um, uh, the Council of Reeds is a Hickman creation. And then the whole idea of these incursions, which is happening in New Avengers when he was writing it, which led up to Secret Wars, again, is a Hickman creation. So like, it seems very fitting that someone like Al Ewing would follow up on that. Like, I like I think it's such an interesting status quo that, like, I didn't originally want to read the next Venom series because I don't love the character. I just love Donnie Gates. But if it's, if it's picked up in that, like, I want to read that. <laughs> All right. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with the coda. Um, I'm happy with... Uh, shoot i just lost his name dylan i like dylan as the new venom i think that is how you should do a legacy character not just like have him pop out of someone's ass suddenly like gave us a good <laughs> they should they should pop out of his cock 15 years before yeah yeah they need to i need to see that pop and yeah then I'm they, have to, they have to be the sons or daughters I have to be somebody I... that actually can have like a year or two years worth of interest in before they actually become what they become um and I'm just always happy that Flash Thompson's doing anything. He's my yeah, favorite. Yeah, that was... I didn't love that sequence, but I like him a lot. So I hope, like, his his storyline is definitely followed up uh, on as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I also love Donny Cates, the way he writes Peter Parker. I even said that during the Absolute Carnage uh, miniseries. Like, I kind of wish he'd be writing Spider-Man on top of writing the Hulk series that he's going to be doing soon. Watch out, he will be. It's only a matter of time before Donny Cates writes every goddamn character in Marvel. Clark? Yeah. I like when somebody like has a character removed or removes a character, because he obviously we had to get rid of Flash in order to get back to this Eddie Brock version of Venom. So he had um, Flash had to be killed off. I like when they're like, okay, I played with my pieces. I'll bring that back up with someone else to play with and not just like leave them fucking dead. Because, you know, it's your exactly. fault they're not there. So I was very pleased with that. It's a very... Um, Agreed good sharer agreed well all right that's been the issues so turn it back over to you i think it's actually time to turn it over to clark who's got something is that correct i've got i've got i've got pills and clark's got pills i've got nothing i forgot i didn't have time and i thought i did but i didn't so yeah you want some pills don't know why we had this segment, but Clark doesn't have something. We should watch out for that. It's a news flash. It's a news flash. 
All right, let's get into some news that no one expected to hear. According to the Crow creator, Justin Halpern of the animated series Harley Quinn on HBO Max, a scene of Batman going down on Harley Quinn was cut from the show because, quote, heroes don't do that. Um, with all of the times that Batman has lectured Catwoman, isn't it a little late to say that Batman doesn't chew out pussy? Uh, also, I think, I think actually they're right. They are correct that Batman wouldn't go down, but it's not because heroes don't do that. It's because Batman's definitely a piece of shit who's like a super rich billionaire who would like think he's above it. He could go fuck himself. Superman would absolutely go down. Wonder Woman would absolutely go down. Ryan, your take. Uh, well, here's the thing. Um, I know what you're saying because Batman is very self-serving. He is always he's always like typing on a computer while he's having sex with a woman, I assume. But at the same time, I do think Catwoman would demand that he eat her out. And I'll mm. say it that way and not in the PC way that we, but like she would fucking demand that shit. Uh -huh. And uh, I, I want her to, and I'm on her side and I hate Batman now. And yeah, I, I think he tried to find an excuse. He'd be like, oh no, I'm sorry. I can't do it tonight. My parents died when I was a child. I just, oh, no, you're going like, down on me now. Like, well, no, my, no. my parents got ate by cats. I don't know her backstory. Brent, but, he would uh, not. He would. He would not go down on her, but he would give her her pearl necklace. Hey! Oh my God! I'm oh currently God. wearing a shirt with a cat on it in solidarity for that. She should get eaten all the pussy out. Like, it actually yeah. looks like your cat is going down on the rest of your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> well, way further. Don't even look. I want to know the rules that um, DC and Warner Brothers have right now. Because remember when? Um, the you know bat dick happened where they had yeah, like yeah. the penis and they had then they like mm -hmm. scrubbed the entire like the thing from both the like actual physical copies and online yeah uh, what was that series i don't know something where his I, don't know, but I, I that's one of the issues yeah. i think it was uh, batman batman copies. the hard knight it was <laughs> um, i picked up and, a physical copy of that it was worry. batman on i really y'all that's not a joke yeah yeah. Anyway, and so was that the point where they they decided to like hard hard oh God, I was say something about get hard on on. on <laughs> sorry, on, like right hard track. line is what I was saying. Hard line on like what come down what hard work or what can't work for them. Um, because do you do you remember the the first issue of the New Fifty Two with Batman where like it was some new something where like it was he and Catwoman just graphic weird sex but their clothes are both still on and they were kind of like smashing yeah, yeah. that was like the very first issue and they're like oh my god Batman and That's Catwoman crazy. are together that was like one of the and first like reboots of DC's 37 yeah. reboots yeah that's what I thought so like like where have they how, how how have they gotten to this point and like what is the line for them obviously the line I, is no I, now and no eating out but like so, so I think it's like somebody finally paid attention to the Harley Quinn show because this is about the Harley Quinn show, like in season three, which is coming out soon. And it's like, oh, they're showing people doing like characters doing very like, you know, adult things in what's ostensibly an adaptation of a child's comic book. But like mostly it's been about the villains, Harley, Poison Ivy, Clayface, Bane, all, so on and so forth. And finally they have Batman doing 
what consenting adults often do, eat each other out. And like Warner Brothers, DC Comics, they're all freaking out. And it's just the stupidest thing ever. But it's led to some of the best internet memes I've seen in a very long time. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know that they were asleep at the wheel on this one because I, I think we found out that there's some HBO Max executive who's like not comfortable with eating a girl out. Uh, that it's just a revealed preference and not really related to the show specifically. Ryan. A thousand percent. Um, you, you guys are both right. It's uh, it's stupid that we would think like literally this woman is murdering people. And what we're worried about well, with the blood, blood everywhere. She just like fucking eviscerated the penguin. Spoilers for the seasons and fuck off if you haven't watched them. But like it like and we're worried about going down on someone like fuck like this is just once again like us not being comfortable with sexuality in the u.s like fuck all the way off it doesn't make any sense and i'm so mad dc should fuck off they said it's because they can't sell toys of batman which is like probably untrue but they couldn't give him like going down action like come on (laughs) i i just (laughs) He, he could be trying to headbutt her in the vagina. So, yeah. like, may, we'll work it for you. You know what I mean? Like, fuck off. Like, they literally murder people all the time. Do you know that? They're murderers. Do we know that? Is that worse than going down on a woman? Well, I according so. to HBO Max, it is. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, in the upcoming Sword number seven, uh, Stefano Casali. Casali? will replace the original artist, Valerio Shidi, who is moving on to be the lead artist in the event series Inferno by uh, Jonathan Hickman. This will be part of the X-Men crossover tie-in to the Last Annihilation series that Al Ewing has been working on with Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Are we more excited for the threat they're about to face? Um, What do you guys hope from the conflict with uh, Dr. Doom, the Guardians, and uh, Sword? Kalen? Well... I mean, I'm expecting a lot of great stuff because I, I love S.W.O.R.D. and I love what Al Ewing is doing with all the cosmic side of Marvel. But, like, I'm a little sad because Valeria Shiti is one of the main reasons why S.W.O.R.D. is probably my favorite X-book right now. The art is just absolutely beautiful. Like, for the... I, I reread the first five issues and, my God, it's just, like, I want to just look at every panel. Like, he and Pepe Loraz are my absolute two favorites. Stefano Caselli is a fine artist. I think he's done a nice job on Marauders, uh, mostly on the fill-in issues. I'm just worried that we're not going to get the same sort of dynamism of like the early issues of S.W.O.R.D., but willing to give it a try. But uh, excited for Last Annihilation, for sure. I mean, Annihilation is some of my favorite storylines in Marvel over the last 20 years. The only positive I know I get getting out of this is that, as I've already said with you guys, is that um, I hate how Peepers looks under um, Shiti. Absolutely hate it. Um, so, and based on the cover we are getting from um, Caselli, that's what OM peepers will look like. Well, we're getting a new peepers, so something to get excited about. All right. Uh, in September, author Samira Ahmed and Runaways artist Andres uh, Genelet, I'm sorry, Genelet, I don't know how to pronounce it, apologies, will be bringing back Kamala Khan for a new series, Miss Marvel Beyond the Limit. Uh, Miss Marvel will have to figure out what's happened to her powers after an interdimensional explosion at her cousin's lab. The story plans to include, quote, striking South Asian cultural elements, 
uh, very early on in the show. Um, you know, with the release of the series, you know, meant to coincide with the release of the Disney Plus show later this year. Like, do you guys think this is like a better increased push on the part of Marvel to focus on building like specific fanships rather than going to the same repeat broad appeal that they do with characters like Wolverine? Or is it just kind of like, hey, we can sell comics around the time that the show is coming out? Ryan. Kamala actually is very popular. I don't know how it happened in the fan base, honestly, because <laughs> sometimes uh, we can uh, not be the most accepting in terms of like newer fans are not liking newer heroes. Let's just say it that way. But I, I do think this is so needed. And somehow she's struck a chord with so many people that I love that she keeps getting new series because she, she really does deserve it, and it's like such a cool character. Uh, I hope we keep going down this path because I worry that we, maybe we're not going to going forward. So it it, may, it gives me hope a little bit. Taylor, um, I like the fact I haven't read anybody by Samira Ahmed, but I like that it's a woman of color, specifically a a uh, I believe she's South Asian herself, or at least she's she's Muslim is writing Kamala because uh, the first writer, the, the writer that created uh, Kamala Khan is G. Willow Wilson, who is, she's a Muslim woman, but she's a convert. And so um, I believe she's, she's Caucasian. And then the second writer was uh, Saladin Ahmed, who is a Muslim, but he's a man. So now we have a woman of color who is Muslim writing a woman of color who is Muslim. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see that kind of representation in comics. She's from India, she's from Bombay, but she grew up in but Illinois. Well, except for Illinois, like me, and also not, I'm not a woman. Clark. Um, I don't. You're not know. a woman. Yeah. What was the was the question whether this was was built to just make um just because she's going to be in the show or because she's going to be in the show so people can get eyes and then read the comic? Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the gist of the question. I mean, it's I like, think it's both. I mean, clearly they want to make some money. They want to get more people to get the comics, but at the same time, they want just some sort of synergy and tie-in on both both ends um my question my comment is that i hate stories that are like oh no i lost my powers my powers are haywire what's gonna happen with my powers and i'm just i'm done with them i hate what's going on with franklin richards and his power shit going on in fantastic four right now it just makes me not want to read whatever it is that's going on yeah it is the simplest way of you know dealing with the you've overpowered someone too much what if we just took it away ryan it's almost like unhumanizing because you're like well i've already built something up and like now i'm gonna be like now i have to be a normal person like just just that's not that is not a thing like it's just either have it or don't i don't think we need to backpedal constantly well i think it's kind of like that you're just kind of waiting for something well, you wait, wait for the next Captain Marvel movie. You know? We know it's going to happen. Honestly. I'm excited for the show. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I, I wonder, I wonder if it's because they want to try to get her powers or uh, new powers or her powers coming back away from the Terrigen Mists because yeah. that was like part of her origin in like 2013, 2014, and like that was like the whole thing of like Marvel trying to make the Inhumans the new X Men because they didn't have rights to the X Men, so. I, I, I agree with you, Clark. I, I normally hate those kinds of storylines too. They're I think they're 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 trite and usually pretty boring. But I think that's maybe the reason why. That makes sense. Ryan? 
Um, with that all said, uh, fuck the movies. I, you know, I love the MCU, but like, fuck the movies. Create original content that doesn't have to eventually be a film or a TV show. So, like, sure. fuck that shit. Like, honestly, like, just create good stories without that. <laughs> and and the movies and the TV shows will fucking figure that shit out. Honestly, without, I'm sensing. With, with, what? what are you talking about? Excuse me. What? I understand. I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying, Ryan. Uh, but I do like, feel like there's a uh, fuck that theme that's developing from this episode. Oh, sorry. All right, let's sorry, let's sorry, continue. Sorry. No, I'm with you. I'm actually 100 there. Uh, we can make content that's not always designed to just sell some product. But uh, there's going to be a new Castlevania spinoff that is set during the French Revolution. Uh, it's going to feature Richter Belmont, who is the son of Sifa and Trevor. Um, other than that, it's set in 1792, which is 317 years after the start of Castlevania in 1475. Uh, what do you think uh, of the decision to not keep it directly related to the characters we've come to know and like somewhat? Kale. So Richter is the son in the video games. I think in the show, he's just a descendant. So he's not going to be like... A an immortal uh, okay. who's lived three, 300 years. So just, let's clarify that. I think it's it's smart because when we did our Castlevania season four podcast with Katie Ozog, we all had the question about, um, you know, what, what spinoff we'd like to see. And all of us talked about, oh, we'd like to see, you know, Dracula and Lisa. We'd like to see, you know, uh, you know, like the, the vampire sisters go off and do their own thing, the, the surviving ones at least. Uh, like moving it ahead 300 years in the future is probably the best way to go. So they don't have to worry so much about a lot of like the existing world and creatures and like just making it a direct sequel, which sometimes can be not as fulfilling. You can, however, bring certain characters that could be ostensibly immortal, like like an Isaac, for example. I can see Isaac like still being alive, you know, because of his powers somehow in during the French Revolution. So I think it's great. Uh, it's also a great way for them to like have a clean start after that piece of shit Warren Ellis, you know, did what he did. Um, so we get some new creative talent on there. Wait, so what? how he can't he die? Isaac, I think they, uh, they're uh, both humans. They're not not humans. They just have magical abilities to resurrect people. No, they're humans. But I'm just wondering if there is like because of what he has done by like bringing like the creatures of hell, like something is leading to his immortality. I'm saying there's a possibility of how- Yeah, could they write, could they figure out a way to write it? Like, oh, he found an amulet that gives him immortality. I, I think those characters are way, I mean, we, we're if we're trying to get away from um, that piece of garbage writer, creator, they're not going to get in anybody except Alucard is the only possibility that I think anybody will want to pick back up on because he is too tied to the, the lore and not to that monster. Right. And also, I mean, they'll have to, they, they might, they might bring back Dracula too. I mean, Dracula and Lisa are That's alive good. at the end. And so if Dracula is still like in some kind of an antagonist, you know, or maybe a quasi protagonist in the series, who knows? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm agreed. I'm, I'll be happy to watch it. I'll be happy to watch it for sure. Yeah. I'd kind of like to see uh, the historical figures of that time, either getting their heads chopped off by vampires or by a Belmont. Um, I mean, it's the French Revolution, right? They're going to get their heads yeah. chopped off by each other. Yeah, but I mean, like, also, like, oh, look, the uh, new new American dignitaries are visiting. 
And they like oh. chop off Thomas Jefferson's head. I thought it was going to be like Cardinal Richelieu is like a, a vampire and he's murdering all sorts of people. Yes, Robespierre Ma- the vampire. Madame Defarge the vampire. Yes. That's, that's why they wanted the streets to run with blood so they could drink it. <laughs> okay. Um, in other TV news, a 10-episode Star Wars anthology series called Visions will be coming to Disney+. Plus. Uh, we'll likely get a first look at it from the, an anime, the anime expo panel on July 3rd. Um, you know, are there any parts of the Star Wars lore that, you know, can be highlighted by anime that hasn't yet been seen, you know, from other stories or other forms of animation? Brian? First of all, I would just like to say fuck that. Um, but no, 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 I, I'm the opposite way, though. Well, I, I do think there's a lot to be discovered in terms of, like, it's a very U.S.-driven sort of, like, view of what Star Wars is. And so to get this interpretation, like through other sort of like interpretations, whether it be anime, like uh, weird animation, like I, I'm excited for this, honestly. Uh, I will engulf this in my fucking brain immediately. Um, I'm super pumped, honestly. Yeah. Um, so actually, there's a question for Ryan. Like what eras would you like to see them do the stories in? Like specifically? Uh, the answer is all of them um so old republic would really be really fun because you don't see a lot of stuff with that uh, also the in between times between the original trilogy and the new trilogy and just having fleshing that out in any sort of way would be very helpful for my own mental space so i can sleep at night and to see where, how they got there uh, would be really helpful as well. Brent? I think for me, the thing that I'm most excited about is the fact that it's an anthology. Because I think that what Star Wars really needs is for the, you know, for the producers to see, here are so many different ways that we could actually make more content that people really start talking about and get very excited about. And they can test different you know, storylines that don't cost the same as like making a full show for the Bad Batch or for the Mandalorian. Um, they don't have to go with their tried and true, you know, this is already part of the Star Wars canon type characters every time. Kaylin? I like the fact that it's gonna be anime because the animation we've seen thus far in Star Wars, you go back to the Jendi Tartowski like style, it's the Samurai Jack style. And then with the Clone Wars and Rebels and now Bad Batch, it's like that sort of very 3D animation. I'd like to see some lovely 2D anime style animation within Star Wars and like let some let's see some fucking kick-ass like lightsaber battles, like as one example of some Jedi's that are not named Luke or Ray or Kylo Ren or whomever. Like I wanna like to, to Ryan's point, I would love to see some old Republic shit or like, you know, some other like Jedi Sith shit that we haven't seen in any of the other adaptations. All right, before we close out. Let's go to, uh, let's go on down to the trailer park. Yeehaw. Uh, yeehaw. We got our first teaser for HBO Max's Titan season three and curveball. It looks dark. Uh, thank God we were going to get another story with the Joker. What are your, some of your quick takes, Kalen? Uh, since he isn't on this podcast, I don't think any of us should watch it except for Adam. And then he should just regurgitate what he says. And it's, it, it's, it, it would be, 
slightly less indecipherable than the show. And this is Adam we're talking about. Ryan. Completely agree. It's so good that we're finally going to like go into the Joker. We haven't seen a lot of him ever. So it, it what a relief, you guys. Got, oh, finally. Every oh weird smile. Oh, so fun. I'm over the season already. Just looking at that fun house situation made me think of the and, uh, um whatever that dumb bitch's name. Um, their version of Wonder Woman, you know, like just dying because she was mildly electrocuted by everyone else could have just saved everything immediately. Just I hate that yeah, show. Someone hi- someone high fived her too hard and then yeah, she and just then fell she just over. over. I hate that show. I can't stand it. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> but it'll be on. Adam, the Adam loves it. Adam weirdly loves it. So Listen, me as a DC fan, you would think I would love it. I mean, the only thing I, I didn't hate about that season was um was Todd. So Jason, Jason Todd. Todd. Yeah. I mean, maybe we can play a good old fashioned of did it happen or did it not? Uh, it's been a long time since we played that one. Yeah, um, sure. And another, another trailer that came out uh, is the Masters of the Universe Revelation. Mark Hamill is serving some Skeletor face. Um, you know, there's... My question is, are there enough muscles? Is there enough action? Do you think we'll get any camp? And also, what the fuck is happening that I can't seem to escape hearing Bonnie Tyros holding out for a hero? I am hearing it everywhere since it was in this fucking trailer. Kaylin. Yeah, because it was in the most recent episode of Loki as well, uh, when they were at the Ren Fair in 1985, which actually fits because it's 1985. Look, I mean, this looks, the animation looks kind of nice in that sort of like Castlevania way. But the thing that kind of annoys me is like, we were talking about this before, it's Kevin Smith who's producing it, who is sometimes, like he's gotten better, but sometimes it's been a toxic fanboy in his uh, in his career. And it's not going to be the reimagination of Shira, which many of us love in this podcast. Not all of us, but many of us did. Um, but maybe if we get a cameo by Jay and Silent Bob, everything will be okay. I don't know. I'm kind of, I was a little bit more hopeful about it than, you know, I was when I was, it was all on paper. It does seem like they might lean into a little bit of stupidity, a little bit of camp, a little bit of excess, which I think can make the series a lot more fun. This show is super camp. I mean, the trailer is super camp. They're playing it like a fucking gay ass anthem. That is, that is, that is homosexual as hell. Bonnie Tyler song. That's not straight. But but the trailer is made by someone else, so I don't know if I trust, you know, the showmakers to have, have Kevin, the right idea. Kevin Smith is not about camp. Kevin Smith is about the stuff that he grew up with and playing it straight. Mark Hamill is pretty fucking camp. Yes, he is. Yes, I agree. He is the true voice of Joker, so he is going to kill this role, and everyone is going to like him the best. That's so prediction. Sure. Yeah. Skeletor is a gay icon. I mean, yeah, that's that's all of us at P Town. You know what when I mean? I Fire kid, Island. You know what I mean? What choose your selection? Yeah, but like it's all of us. When I yeah. was a kid, my favorite character was the sorceress. Who's that bird lady? So I think yeah. she's, she's she's my gay icon from that show. From Home Alone, she is. Yes. Yeah. No. The, from, the, from the sequel, <laughs> Bird Woman from the sequel, of Home Alone. She is. She's my icon. All right. Well, that's been our episode. Uh, rate and review us if you like us. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We've got Bar Sinister stuff, and we're still uh, highlighting some of our favorite gay creators 
characters, uh, uh, artists on our page. Uh, go bother Kalen on Twitter. He loves it when people say things. We've been home with Superior. Happy Pride. And as we always say here, fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. <laughs>